Hello, you're listening to Yarns from the Plain, a podcast for knitters, crocheters, and anyone who loves to play with yarn. Welcome to episode 31 of Yarns from the Plain, the one without the knitting. Now I know when I recorded the last podcast I said I was hoping that this one would be out within a couple of days and Louise has gently given me a nudge to point out that I said that and it's more than a couple of days. But in my defence, it took a while to recover from Wales losing to France in the Rugby World Cup semi-final. They lost by one point and it was heartbreaking for a number of reasons, including the fact that the captain was sent off, which many people said was a dodgy refereeing decision. Um, I think when you look at the tackle that he made on the French player in slow motion, it was not a safe tackle. Therefore, there needed to be some penalising there. Wales lost the match because they didn't kick well enough. Had they converted the try, they would have beaten France by one point. Had James Hook scored one of the many penalties that he missed, they would have beaten France by two points. So it's too easy to blame it on the captain being sent off when there were other reasons why Wales didn't win the match. They then went on to lose the third and fourth place playoff on Friday. But there we are. It was an excellent final, though. Um, I did enjoy watching the final on Sunday. So, well done, New Zealand. You did really, really well there. Uh, Really glad that you won. Close match. Also, I wanted to do a couple of things on the intervening Saturdays. So, originally it was going to be within a couple of days, but then I thought I wanted to wait until after Saturday just gone. And then my husband had a few days off work. Um, to spend with me on half term, so I thought it was a bit unfair to say, right, you know, go upstairs or go outside and I'm going to record the podcast. But this is the one without the knitting because in the last couple of months I've been doing quite a few things that aren't knitting. So let's go back um, now, probably about five weeks, to the September meeting of the Guild, the Weavers, Spinners, Dyers Guild that I'm a member of. A friend there, B had her knitter's loom and she was making some really interesting Mobius cowls with weaving um, which I think I've got my my head around I haven't had a go at yet but I was loving watching her weave I just love watching Bee work actually I don't know whether it's just because I'm immensely lazy and she's very very industrious Um, but I picked up an awful lot of spinning tips from just watching her spin early on Um, before I'd even got my own wheel. Subconsciously, I picked up lots of spinning tips, and I picked up lots of weaving tips from her last month at the Guild. And I was so inspired when I came back that the next morning I went upstairs, rooted out a little item, ha, 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 (laughs) a 32-inch width rigid heddle loom that I had bought from one of her friends earlier in the year, thought, yes, I'm going to do something on this, and didn't do it. On the Saturday night, I had a little go at weaving with the warps that were already set up on the the loom, but it wasn't doing anything for me because it was basically brown, hairy string. Um, I don't know what 
the the lady in question had planned to make on it, but it wasn't attractive, brown hairy string. And I just thought, right, okay, now I've got the action of left to right, right to left, and lifting and lowering the heddle. Time for it to go. So on the Sunday morning, I rummaged around in my stash, decided I fancied a bit of long, slow colour changes, rooted out some of the county effect yarn that I have. Oh, gosh, how long have I had it now? Two, three years, maybe? Um, I bought a whole batch of it from Scandinavian Knitting Designs down in Berkshire. Um, but I only used some for a Revontuli shawl a few years ago in um, the blacks, greys and whites, and I've done nothing else. So I picked out a couple of balls of the colour EG, which is pinks and burgundies and lilacs and some sort of greyish tones to it absolutely gorgeous and I warped up the loom and have had it set up on the dining table ever since I've warped up a width that's probably about 44 46 centimeters wide which I think is around about 18 inches I'm not very good at converting centimeters and to imperial um, I was a child of the 70s, so here in Britain I was taught metric measuring systems by people who only understand it, understood imperial, and it um, means I've not really got a great grasp of either. Never mind, I muddle through, and when I'm teaching it to the children I've made sure I've mugged it up first. But I, I've, walked, I've walked up the loom with the county. You, following the instructions in the Ashford um, book that I got when I purchased it, and I have to say I found it reasonably straightforward. B said a number of people had found it quite difficult, the instructions in the book, but I found them very straightforward. I don't know if it's because I'm fairly spatial and was able to follow the diagram in it, I don't know. But I warped it up and then over the following week or so wove quite a bit on it. I've got no idea how far up the length I am. I've no idea how long the warp is really, which is the threads that are held stationary that you weave in and out of. Um, I extended my di dining table, not quite to its full length, but it's certainly quite a long warp. So, but I'm having fun weaving that, and every time I do sit down and do some on it, I can sort of whack out four inches fairly quickly, so that's quite nice. So I'm quite excited by that. I'm weaving, I'm weaving, I'm making a fabric. I, it's kind of blowing my head. I'm just doing what's called an even weave fabric at the moment, which means that the warps are the same distance as the weft. The weft is the yarn that you thread to and fro between the warp threads and they're around about the same distance. You can see through it. It's not a close weave fabric by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you wouldn't want to make a modesty garment out of it but um, hopefully if it works and doesn't look too ragged it will make a reasonable longish scarfy wrap thing. I'm only playing with it really but I'm working on the basis that when you learn something and you want to play something, there's no point using horrible materials. You might as well use nice yarn, because if it works well, you want to use it. So that's one of the things that I've been doing that has not been knitting. Another one of the things that I've not been doing that's not been knitting was from Saturday the 15th, I went to the Tunisian crochet class at Fibre and Clay. That was held by or led by Heike Gittins. Um, if you've been listening for a while you'll remember that Heike led the course on knitting Mobius cowls that I went to back in March um, and it was really interesting. I've been wanting to 
have a go at Tunisian crochet for a while. If you're not at all familiar with Tunisian crochet, um, what you do is you work um, Tunisian crochet in sets of two rows. In one row you work along the top of the crochet picking up stitches as if you're picking up stitches to knit but you're using a long crochet hook instead. And then on the return row you crochet through the loops one or two at a time. It, you're pulling through two at a time but you're effectively like taking, casting one stitch off if you like to do your return row and it grows in that manner. There are a variety of different stitches that you can use and Heike showed us the Tunisian simple stitch which I really liked the fabric that was made, it had a nice drape. She showed us the Tunisian knit and the Tunisian pearl, both of which I wouldn't bother with on their own because I'm not sure why if you wanted something that looked like knitting you wouldn't just use knitting. She showed us a Tunisian lace stitch which was attractive and a Tunisian hexagon stitch, like a honeycomb, a honeycomb stitch. And that is comprised of alternating a Tunisian simple stitch with a Tunisian pearl stitch. So you, it varies on how you pick up the stitch from the front of the crochet. But I've managed to work out a way that I can get the yarn to the front of the crochet for the Tunisian pearl stitches without having to let go of the hook, which is quite nice. It makes a really attractive fabric that's got quite a nicest drape. We're working in cotton glass, which isn't terribly forgiving, but because um, it's not elastic, is it, cotton? It's sort of a bit stretchy and doesn't go anywhere. But it's producing a very nice fabric. The idea is we're supposed to carry on with this for 12 and a half inches, change colours, carry on for a bit longer, and then seam up the sides. We made a little purse that you could pop your Tunisian crochet hooks in. It is a really nice fabric and I'm really glad I've learnt it and I can see that I could use it in blanket squares. But by gum it feels slow. When you're used to the speed in which you can crochet things, this does feel like it's growing very, very slowly. I don't know if that's because I did all of the work with cotton and I do find I'm a little slower working with cotton anyway. Um, I'm not sure. But uh, the fabric is very nice, uh, and I'm going to persevere with my little bag. It's in my handbag, so it's easy to pick up and put down. It's not the easiest thing to do with whilst I'm chatting, though, not this particular stitch, because I do have to mentally keep muttering in my head, simple, pearl, simple, pearl, or front, back, front, back, or something to remind me to alternate. Unlike moss stitch, which alternates... I don't find it as easy to read at quick glance. I have to study it a little bit to see the difference between the two stitches. Um, so I can't just glance down and then glance away and carry on chatting. So just like I was very quiet in the Mobius class with Heike, I was very quiet with this class too. Awful lot of concentrating involved. But it was, you know, pleasing fabric and a new skill. And I'm all about learning the new skills. Then last Saturday at Guild, we had a really interesting visit from Penny Vintner. I think her name's Vintner. Oh, gone now. Um, from Clay Around. And she showed us, she led a workshop at the Guild in how to use polymer clay, which in the UK you'll probably recognise as Fimo clay, um, to make buttons. I mean, oh, she also showed us how to make beads as well, but primarily the focus was on buttons. And I had an absolutely lovely time. I've made, 
a whole range of different buttons. I've got one that I didn't fire at the day, so it's sat here on the mantelpiece, needs to be fired. Uh, and I will do that. You do that very simply by baking it in the oven. And I will get that done soon. But um, it was absolutely delightful. Lots of bright colours to work with. Lots of funky shapes. One, The one that I've made at the moment um, actually looks like a biology cell sample. Um, you know, from a microscope slide. Someone asked me what it was called. I said it was called Bob. I don't think that was quite the answer she was expecting, but never mind. But it's, you know, I've made it into a button and it just needs to be baked. Um, I've no idea what I'd use it on because it's a whole mismatch of lots of different scrap bits that I'd been using during the afternoon. But it's it's really interesting and it's one of those crafts that there is never any waste because your scrap can just be popped in some cellophane, some cling film and left until you want to then go and use it again and you can mix up some of the colours that you've made and you end up with everything comes, you know how much the way that same that the plasticine always ends up as mucky brown when you've mixed all the colours together. Well, the, the, these polymer clays seem to end up with something that's called mud but seemed more pinky brown than kind of the muddy brown that I would associate with plasticine bleh. and it's not an unattractive colour if you put it with some bright ones so I've got some plans to make some buttons for a garment that I have in the pipeline so that's something else that is not knitting the fourth thing that isn't knitting is spinning and I got the spinning wheel down after the guild on Saturday, even though I hadn't actually done any spinning at guild because I was doing the button workshop. I got my wheel down um, because the Friday night before I'd used the guild drum card that I'd borrowed and then not used. <coughs> I used that to card together a lot of the fibre that I got in the two scrap swaps that I've been part of. I had 600 grams worth of scraps and I sorted them broadly into colour tones, the reds, the oranges, there weren't really any yellows, uh, greens, blues, purples and carded most of them together into bats along those lines. I just didn't get the greens done before I had to pack the carder up in the box and take it with me on Saturday morning because I had to be there on time for a committee meeting. I tried to do the greens on my hand carders. I'm not dexterous with my hand carders I'm obviously doing something wrong with it because it, oh, it's just hysterical. I don't know if you remember those gonks from the 1970s, you know, those funny little toys that look like little trolls and then they had the wispy, brightly coloured hair that stood up on end. Well, my husband said that it looked like I was massacring a gonk between my drum carders because all he could see were these brightly coloured fibres stuck out of the end as I was trying to card with them on the, the Saturday evening. I'm just not dexterous. Um, I also went back and used them again yesterday, I think it was, um, and carded some more reds for some deeper reds. I've carded, I would say it's probably no more than 650 grams. I've spun it up in total into around about 350 360 yards of yarn and it's broadly rainbow colours. I absolutely adore it. I love it. Like I say, there's not really much yellow and I'm kicking myself now. I wish I'd gone upstairs and had a rummage in my own 
stash to see if I had some yellows because I know I've got some um, and I could have carded some yellows as well but it does look absolutely beautiful without it we can live without them it's not very evenly spun it uh, I was trying to get something that was sort of Aran weight and it isn't it's Aran weight in places it's chunky plate weight in others I was spinning it into singles and then using chain plying techniques so that the colours didn't merge and I kept the the colours broadly together in, in the colour palette. I am really, really, really pleased with the yarn. I suspect that I will come a cropper because what I wanted to do is to, I want it to make a liesel. I keep talking to you about how I keep spinning things to make a liesel. Last time I tried to spin something for a liesel, I ended up with about 260 yards, which will only make a little tiny shrug one. This one, I don't think I'm going to make... It's not, I don't think it's enough for what I want because, again, I should have nearer 480 for a, a liesel with sleeves. And this one's definitely going to have sleeves because before I spun the yarn for the main body of the sweater, I, ra I spun two rainbow sequences, red through the reds, oranges, or the softer reds, the oranges, greens, blues and purples, so that I've kind of got vaguely matching sleeves um I, I would take a bat and split it in half and use half of it and then the other half it's not quite worked because one of them is about five yards longer than the other so i can't get too uptight about matching the the stripes because they're obviously not going to match but because i didn't control my spinning well enough then it isn't it, it is quite thick and thin in places which is going to make it look gorgeous, but I don't think necessarily it's going to look gorgeous on me. Unless I manage to somehow lose about inches, inches off my bust. So I don't really know what to do now. I've, I've spun it, and the way one of the skein goes, it leads from orange into green. So it's not even like I could go and spin some yellow and manage to fudge some yellow into the middle of it um because it it wouldn't quite work but i'm tempted to just make it anyway and just see and maybe it just stops at my waist and i just have to wear it over a black long sleeve top and a black trousers and just have it as a splash of rainbowy sunshine i abs i've absolutely adored spinning it i've never spun that much yarn up in such a short space of time I only carded it on Friday and I spun the last spun and plied this extra skein of the darker reds Tuesday morning I think yesterday morning Tuesday morning Tuesday um, because it's fully dry now and I've tried to photograph it it's very low level light levels today though so I don't know how well I photographed it but I've tried to photograph it for the um, show notes to go with it but I am itching to cast on this liesel but there's just one or two loose ends that I just need to tie up that are to do with knitting which I'm not going to tell you about now I shall tell you about them in the next episode but I'm just adoring um, the colours I know that sounds so vain doesn't it but I'm just really pleased with it I've never tried spinning anything based on the colours like this and, and I'm just really really pleased with it I just wish I could work out how to control my spinning when I'm thinking about it. When I don't think about it, I spin a very even, very fine single that will probably chain ply up into a DK weight. But I was trying to think about it and I think 
that therefore that's meant I ended up with thick bits and thin bits and possibly I was a bit tired when I was spinning it I don't know didn't quite work out but I had a lovely time doing it um and it was so nice because again I, I don't think I've spun since Tour de Fleece not on my wheel and it was really nice to just sit down and go at it again it's lovely to know that I have this skill that I can use and put by to, for a side and then pick up again now talking of spinning brings me on to my review section this week and it's actually a giveaway section too after september's guild meeting i went back with b to her house now if you were looking at the ravelry group pages last week you'll have possibly spotted me putting up an advert for her open studio b is a well she just does a lot of different crafts really well um and she has the basement of her house is uh, her craft studio really um she has a website called crafts from the dungeon um which is at www.craftsfromthedungeon.com and i'll put the show notes up on there and she sells a, a range of things from what i understand it's always been until quite recently glass art and some fibre art so if she gets a, an urge and, and knits lots of um, Shetland hats then she'll then sell some Shetland hats she has felted bags there that I know her mum works on and there's a, a whole range of things but recently this year she's also branched out into some kits so she's been doing some hand spinning and selling a cowl kit and also, her husband has been helping her by making spindles, both drop spindles and Mayan spinners. Now, if you've never seen a Mayan spinner, the best way to describe it, it is like an old-fashioned football rattle, and you use it in a similar way. So you have a wooden handle, which is a turned stick. That passes through a wooden flatter piece um, that you gently allow to rotate so you just rotate your wrist in very small circles when you're efficient you shouldn't need to use your big movements at all and the stick turns round and round and round now attached to that flat stick you have a leader and that's attached to some fluff and you spin you that round and round and round and round and round and it builds up twist in the leader. You then park it, normally between your knees, and then draft out some of your fleece and then let the twist travel up it. So if you've not had any success with drop spindles but you'd like to have a go at hand spinning, then the Mayan spinner is a really good way to do it. It's also incredibly portable because you can just pop the central stick out of the um, flat wooden spinner and pop the pair of them side by side with a small piece of fluff in a glasses case and just pop it in your handbag like that. Now, I've tried popping my drop spindle in my handbag before and the hook has got caught up on bits of the handbag lining, so it's an absolute nightmare. So she's been putting together these Mayan spinner kits and she'd seen one and was desperate to have a go at one and she'd 
shown it uh, a picture of it to Angus and described the movement, her husband. And he'd gone off and made one for her. So, of course, us being us, all our friends, the moment that we saw it, we went, oh, we want one too. And so Angus went off and um, produced a, a number and she decided to put them together as kits so that in the kit came um, a handmade Mayan spinner, a carded bat of, of merino that she'd carded, um, some leady yarns and uh, a full set of instructions. When I worked, dropped by her house in September after the guild meeting, um, I had a little look and he had done some acrylic ones. So we still have the wooden handle, but the bit that rotates around is acrylic. And I picked up one and it's yellow and blue and swirly and just gorgeous. And the fleece, the carded bat that um, B had included in there was called Seascape. So it was yellows and blues and some aquas and just does look like sea foam. It's absolutely gorgeous. So I took it home and had a play with it. And I'll be honest, it took me a little while to get the hang of it. I think because I've moved on from parking and drafting using my drop spindle and I can draft and spin continually. It took a while for me to get back into the spin, 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 spin. Don't try and do anything with the, f the fleece at the moment. Spin, park it, draft and let the twist travel up. But once I got into it, it's really efficient and it doesn't make my shoulder ache the way using my drop spindle for a long period of time can because I'm holding my left hand up high to with the, with the fibre in it, I end up with an achy shoulder. And this Mayan spinner doesn't do that at all. And it's got a lovely feel to it. And I'm really, really impressed with it. Um, so my review this month is of um, the Mayan spinner kit from crafts from the dungeon and if you've ever thought about giving may and spinning a go then they're well worth having a, a look she they retail at 15 pounds and that is for as i said the may and spinner itself some fiber in there for you to start with and instructions now i was so impressed with it that i decided actually it's ages since we've had a giveaway so I texted her on Saturday morning before this month's guild meeting and said, any chance you could bring another one of those acrylic main spins? And she said, oh, you know, poor Angus got kicked out of bed to go and polish them because he had some pieces that were there ready, but they just needed a final polish before they were assembled into the kits. And she uh, brought a kit along. So I have bought a second kit and it's up for grabs for, as a giveaway to you, my lovely, lovely listeners. So if you would like a Mayan spinner kit, which is the opportunity to spin, really spin on the move without knocking someone's teeth out with your elbow as you're lifting your arm up to get your drop spindle go or catching somebody on the nose with the drop spindle as it, you know, drops and you lean forward and elbow them in the face. This is a really efficient little spinner. Then please, what I'd like you to do is drop me a line leave me a comment on the so you can either leave me a comment on the show notes on the podbean site a comment on the show notes on the blog spot site or a comment in the thread on ravelry that i shall set up and you need to complete this sentence i need a mayan spinner because 
Now, the chances are I will probably still pick you at random because I'm hopeless at choosing the best reasons. But I do enjoy reading your lovely reasons as to why you need something. Um, partly because then I'm thinking, mm, I could use that excuse myself when I'm trying to justify purchases um, at a later date. So if you would like to win a Craft from the Dungeon Mayan Spinner Kit, complete with some gorgeous greeny blue, yeah, a greeny yellowy blue fibre uh, merino, then drop me a line on the Podbean site, the Blogspot site, or on the Ravelry group saying, I need a Mayan Spinner Kit because... And finish that sentence off for me. Now, something I really like. This is very seasonal. So if you're listening in the Southern Hemisphere or you're listening and it's not October in the Northern Hemisphere, then this may be a little off the wall for you. But it's squash. No, not that squash. Not the one you water down and drink. The vegetable that's or fruit depends which way you you think about it i mean it's got seeds on the inside which technically makes it a fruit um but the pumpkins the butternut squash the acorn squash the spaghetti squash the celebration squash i've had so many in the last few weeks haven't had a pumpkin yet but i'm gonna get one tomorrow because it's nearly halloween which means it's a wonderful excuse to make pumpkin risotto I just love those roasted squash. Now, the spaghetti squash I hadn't had before. In fact, I haven't had a lot of them before this year, but we had a lot of different squash in our veg box. We have a veg box delivered every week, and we've got quite a lot of different squash in them over the last few weeks, and we've had great fun trying them out. A lot of the recipes, um, I'm basically just roasting, uh, cutting the squash in half, scooping the seeds out, Drizzling a little bit of olive oil on it, roasting it a bit till it's soft, and then mashing it up with some um, seasoning from Schwartz Spices. Now, I grew up in the town where Schwartz Spice Factory used to be, um, although it's not there anymore. Um, so I have a particular fondness for Schwartz Spices. I do kind of, you know, I'm quite loyal to them as a brand. Um, and they're doing one for stuffed butternut squash at the moment. And you mix up your mashed squash with the sachet of spices and mix in red onion and cherry tomatoes although I tend to use baby plum tomatoes and some feta cheese and then mix it all up put it back in the shells of the um, butternut squash and then pop it back in the oven and it's just oh it's really tasty but I also like to use it in um, risottos I made a harifo and pumpkin uh, well butternut squash really risotto but you could use pumpkin um on monday and that was just gorgeous i love haritho and uh, i just think it's a match made in heaven with the the butternut squash um what else have we done we did one with uh, we had a recipe with chicken and a bit of chili and butternut squash in it as a stew that was really nice but i'm just really enjoying all the different squash that i'm getting delivered and just oh it's so gorgeously autumn um i'm not quite so devoted that i'm going to roast the squash and then make ravioli um i have got a pasta maker somewhere but it's buried deep in the back of a cupboard and i'm not you know i'm really not going to get on my hands and knees and get it but 
That's something I'm loving. And it's one of the things I absolutely adore about autumn. All those squash that you can roast and mm, yum, 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 yum. Anyway, that brings me back to the end. So thanks for listening. Do get in touch. Drop me a line on the email. Yarns from the plane at googlemail.com. Pop over and leave a message on the show notes at yarnsfromtheplane.podbean.com or over on yarnsfromtheplane at blogspot.com if you prefer. Or come over to Ravelry to the listeners group over there and uh, start a thread and keep chatting. Maybe we should swap some autumn recipes actually. Mm, I quite like that idea. If you'd like to be entered into the draw, remember... Leave a comment on either of the show notes pages at the Podbean site or the Blogspot site or leave a post in Ravelry telling me I would like a Mayan spinner kit because and let's say should I give you four weeks because if you're like me you'll download the podcasts but you won't necessarily listen to them straight away. So let's say four weeks from today that will take us up to a bit of quick counting on my fingers. Uh, 27th, so the next Thursday is the 3rd. So 3rd, 10th, 17th, 24th. Right, let's say pop a comment on there by midnight at the end of uh, GMT, the end of the 24th of November. Yeah, I'll give you four weeks by the time I've edited this up, maybe a little bit less, because looking at the time, I might not get to edit this today, and I think it might need a few ums and ahs taken out. Hopefully you won't see the join. (laughs) But anyway, thanks for listening. Leave me a comment. I'd love to hear from my listeners. And, uh, you know, you could always go over to the listeners map and pop yourself in there. Okay, the links on the show notes are on the Ravelry group. Thanks for listening. Till next time. Bye. You've been listening to Yarns from the Plain. Show notes and links are available at the Yarns from the Plain show page at yarnsfromtheplain.podbean.com. If you'd like to contact the show, you can leave a comment over there on the show page, or you can email me at yarnsfromtheplain at googlemail.com, or message me on Ravelry where I'm Tales from the Plain. Until next time, take care and thanks for listening.